0: give him all the glory and all the praise and all the honor so let's invite him let's look to him in prayer at this time let us pray our loving father and our god we thank you for the privilege we have to be in your house today to give you glory to give you praise to give you honor we invite you god to do something special for each and every individual in this place may you be glorified may you be lifted high Lord, it's about you. It's about what you have for us, your purpose and plans for us. We want to walk in obedience to your will. Great and awesome God, there is none like you. There is none to be compared to you. We declare today that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We bless your holy name. We praise you, God, for who you are. We invite you to come, Holy Spirit, and take full and complete control of everything that will be said and done in this place today. And in the end, God, let your name be exalted. May you be glorified. May your people be edified. And may the devil be terrified. We ask it in Jesus' name and all God's people say, Amen. Let's welcome the worship team as they come.
1: Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let everything that had rest, praise the Lord, hallelujah, hallelujah, this morning we want to sing about the goodness of God, and the bigness of God, can you tell your neighbor my God is big, if you have a neighbor that is, (laughs) my God is big, hallelujah, thank you Jesus, mom this was the first full week of school Ooh. he kept me Ooh. hallelujah Ooh. hallelujah hallelujah we want to bless the Lord this morning That's hallelujah. Hallelujah. hallelujah
2: can we all just think about one thing we can bless the Lord for this morning Amen. one thing yes. does everyone have their one thing yes. just say thank you Jesus Amen. the new
1: Shall we worship the Lord? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We bless you this morning. God, we give you glory. Hallelujah. Who is like our God this morning? We honor you this morning. God, and as we bless you this morning, we surrender everything to you. We give you everything this morning. Hallelujah. We withhold nothing from you this morning. We give you our life, God. We give you our plans. We give you our dreams, God. We give you our hopes, Father. Hallelujah. We surrender this morning. I surrender. surrender this morning, God, is at your feet. At your altar. Because at your altar, there's life. At the altar, there's peace. At the altar, there's joy. At the altar, there's restoration. At the altar, there's forgiveness. Hallelujah hallelujah at the altar there is peace somebody need peace this morning hallelujah at the altar there is divine safety there is divine protection God we thank you for the altar this
3: morning hallelujah
1: i e For joy from the ashes A new life
0: The spirit is bidding us. If they'll keep that verse up there. Oh come to the altar. We're going to sing that again. And As we sing that. You sense the spirit of God. Saying you need to come to the altar. Slip out of your seat. Just come and talk to him. Just come and talk to him about whatever you want. They're going to sing it again. Oh come to the altar. It says the father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was brought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Let him sing that again. Slip out of your seat. Come to the altar you sense that need right now. And talk to God.
1: Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was brought when the precious blood of the ¡Oh!
0: Don't miss Him. Connect with Him. Connect with God today. You connect with Him. Shut out everything else. The most important thing is to connect with Him. He is the one with the power to heal. He is the one that has the power to change things. in this place he's in this place he's in this place father we thank you that you're here this morning we thank you for your presence we thank you for the Holy Spirit we thank you that you love us so much that you showed up to change us you showed up to transform us You don't want to leave us the way we are, God. You want to change your circumstances. You want to change your situation. You want to satisfy the hunger in our souls. The real, genuine hunger that we really need, which is you, God. More of you. More of you, God. You're in this place. And we don't want to miss you, God. We want to connect with you right now. Spirit of the living God. Touch every individual. Minister to every soul in this place, God. Let no one leave the way they came. Let no one leave the way they came, God. But that the Spirit of the living God. Will touch them afresh. Fresh wind of God fresh touch of God breathe upon us this morning send a fresh wind in this place send a fresh wind in this place Holy Spirit send the fresh fire of God burn off every dross. burn off everything that is not of you touch us afresh let us be like Isaiah that says woe is me I'm done. I'm a sinful man and I live among unclean people. Lord, let us acknowledge our sins. Accept that we have sinned against you. God, let repentance begin today in this place. Repentance, God. We acknowledge that we have sinned against you. We want you to hear us. And sin will block you from hearing us. So we rid ourselves of every sin. We confess. We repent. We turn away from them. And our desire, God, is to live for you. And to serve you only. Forgive us, God. Forgive our folly. Forgive our ignorance. When we put other things before you. When we forget that said seek ye first your kingdom and your righteousness. And everything else will fall into place. Forgive us. When our priorities are not in the right place. Forgive us God. We are hungry for revival. We are seeking revival, God. We are thirsty for revival, God. We ask of you, Lord, send a revival among us. Fan the flames of revival among us. That the flames will move out of the congregation. Move out the doors and spread across into the cities around us and to the nation. Send a revival, O God started in us we seek a revival in our souls thank you jesus thank you what you're doing right now thank you for your healing power thank you for your deliverance power thank you for the victory we have in jesus name amen come on give the lord a big hand give a hand for what he's done hallelujah As you return to your seats with confidence. We thank you, Lord. We thank you. We give you thanks. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the name of Jesus. Welcome to the house of the Lord. We welcome you on this day the day we set aside as the Lord's day and we will worship him I want to invite all and welcome our first time guests Hallelujah. those who are visiting with us for the very first time we want to give you a living word open Bible welcome we do have some, some we recognize us Couple a special first-time guests among us this morning. We have a sister, Crystal, that works with the, that is with the Army. We want to thank you for your service. Let's give her a big hand so we can recognize who you are. Let's give her a big hand. Thank you for your service. Thank you. We appreciate that. She serves to protect and defend our country. We thank God for that. Amen. want to remember them in our prayers. And we have with us, we have Pastor Rankin and family that's here. Let's give them a big welcome. Welcome. Good to have you with us. Welcome. Praise God. And then we have some other first time guests. If you're another first time guest, I didn't get your name, but you're a first time guest, will you stand so we can give you a living word by welcome? Anybody else for the first time? Any other first time guests? All right, let's give them a big welcome. Let's give them a big welcome. Good to have you with us. And uh, uh, they're going to give you a packet as well, all of first time guests uh, will get to receive a packet. You may be seated once you receive it. Sister. And as if you given giving her the packet, okay, she got it. You may be seated. Thank you. Once you receive the packet, it's a good time to open up the packet. If you will, and there's a card there, which we call a connection card. It is for us to drop you a line to say, thank you for being here today. We won't solicit anything from you. We just want to tell you, thanks. Anybody for the second or third time wave at me. If you're a second or the third time, we want to welcome you as well over there. Let's welcome her. Let's give her a big hand. Welcome. Welcome back. Good to have you with us. You get a card as well. And then you can check the box, the appropriate box, and put it in the offering bucket when it passes by, when it come, when, when, you, when you will be able to have an opportunity to do that later on in the service. And our first-time guest will tell you some more information as to how you can be refreshed in our hospitality suite later on this afternoon. I want you to pull out, first of all, you have two things right now. In you have a handout, a little handout in your program, a Yellow Handout. And um, we're going to talk about that Yellow Handout, so I want you to have it with you. Um, But before we get to the Yellow Handout, if you take your program, let's start there first of all, and then we'll explain what the Yellow Handout is about. If you take your program on the top right-hand side, you'll find 40 days of prayer for revival. We are embarking upon 40 days of prayer for revival, and we begin on September 1st, and we conclude on October the 10th. And of course, we're believing God for some awesome things when we begin to pray together as a church. And we are going to conclude, we're going to be launch off with a solemn assembly, a mini solemn assembly. Or solemn assembly usually go for eight hours, six to eight hours. This time we're going for four hours straight. So we're gonna have one service next Sunday. Next Sunday, we have one service at 9 a.m. We start one nine to one. Uh, Or service will go. It will be a time of fasting. So the other service will come in with us. The 8 o'clock service will join us. And uh, we'll all be together uh, for one service uh, at at 9 a.m. And we're going to be fasting. And and Solomon said, I'm going to tell you, it is going to be something that God is going to do. I'm telling you, uh, he's been preparing us for that. And um, something that he's given that I got to tell you. It's going to make a difference in your life. Your life will not have the same trajectory anymore when you come. Tell him say, invite a friend. Invite someone that you know that really needs a change in your life. There's going to be some mighty work of God taking place. Because I'm telling you something. God's already beginning. Once we begin to prepare our hearts and we're genuine about it. He'll start working even before we start doing it. Because he knows our hearts are in the right place. So. We're going to have our 40 days of prayer. And we're going to start with start a solemn assembly. But we're asking you to pray three times per day. Now, if you look at your program, you will see some suggested times. Between 7 a.m. and 8 a.m. Why do we do that? Because for some of you, you're getting ready for work. You're getting ready to go to work. Sometimes that's when you have a devotional time. But some of you are driving in the car. Shut off the radio and pray for those five minutes as you're driving. Amen. So some people may not catch that time, but as many as can pray within these suggested times, we're asking you to pray within that time. Five minutes, find five minutes within that time to pray between, eight, between seven a.m. and eight a.m. And then lunch time. Most people take lunch time at twelve. If that's your traditional lunch time, between twelve and one, find another five minutes between there to pray. Find another five minutes to pray. And then in the night time before you go to bed. We also catch the people who go to bed early because we go between 9 and 10. Now the Nighthawks, you will be up later, but can I tell you, you still try to pray between 9 and 10 so that we're all praying at the same time as many of us praying the same thing. Now this is what this yellow sheet is about. It's about us praying the same thing together. So if you take out your yellow sheet and look at the hands for me, look at the hands. And we're going to tell you how to pray, what to pray, so that those of you who think you can't pray for five minutes, you, you're going to find that it's so easy to pray for five minutes. So here we go. In the left hand talks about how, who to pray for. And we pray for, we begin with a thumb because it's closest to our heart. So we pray for friends, for family and friends. You're going to pray for family and friends. And then you index finger, you're going to pray for teachers and leaders. And then the tallest finger, you're going to pray for those in authority. And then your ring finger, you want to pray for relationships. You want to remember those that are weak, those that are vulnerable. You want to pray for those kind of relationships. And, uh, and then, of course, lastly, you pray for yourself. Now, a lot of people tend to pray for themselves. And if they have time left over, they pray for others. But this time, we're teaching you to pray for other people first. And then you pray last for yourself. So you will find that that's who you pray for. Now, what do you pray Well, the right hand tells you what to pray. You start again with a thumb. You pray for your heart and for the heart of others. That God will change their heart. That they'll have a heart for revival. Then you pray for your priorities. That your priorities will be right. That you'll have God first. That you'll seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then you pray for your influence and your example. Can I tell you, every one of you have influence. There is somebody watching your life. Somebody's observing you and they're watching and they're thinking, I'd like to be like that. Or I don't want to be like that. You have good influence or you can have bad influence. You want to pray for your influence and your example. And then you want to pray for your relationships. The ring finger again. For your relationships. My relationships. You know, if you're married, your spouse, your children. Your, 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 your in-laws, your, your, your people at work, your co-workers, pray for the relationships that you have. And then finally, you pray for material blessings. You notice that we pray for those things last that we always pray for first. We used to pray for ourselves first. And what do we pray for ourselves first for? Material blessings, stuff. So now we're praying for ourselves last and we're praying for material blessings last. Now, if you pray this, use this to pray, five minutes is going to look like nothing. By the time you go through these things praying, what you pray for, who you're praying for, your five minutes are going to be gone. Now, on the back of it, you turn over on the yellow sheet. We're going to show you why we're doing this. Every week, you're going to get one of these yellow sheets. Every week, you will see in your bulletin, the yellow sheet, because you'll know what it means. Because every week, we're going to have what, who you're praying for that week. So if you turn on the back, it says the purpose of this prayer guide is to break down the bonds of sin that have crept into our fellowship and prepare our hearts, minds, emotions, and spirit for a moving of God. That's what we're preparing for, a moving of God. Why revival prayer? For God to heal our land, his people must pray. 2 Chronicles 7 verse 14, you know that very well. Jesus was our ultimate example and he was always busy praying. Paul prayed through his epistles and said, pray without ceasing. And why are we praying together? Focus. So we can, we help us focus on the same area and the same concerns. And so to become a united body of Christ. We pray, when we are praying together, we're praying in agreement. Because we're praying for the same thing. And help us all experience the same things at the same time together. And then the guide is, is to guide our prayers. This is to help you to guide our prayers so that we see the needs when we see them. And when we're praying for individuals, when we're praying for a group of people like the youth, call them by name. You're praying for the leaders, call them by name. Whenever you're praying for individuals, you know, call them by name before. Make your prayers personal. To begin, we, to begin though, we need to get right with God first before we can start praying Because remember, God will not hear us if we have sin in our lives. That's why we need to deal with ourselves first. Look at the first thing we're going to pray. Number one, ask God for forgiveness for yourself. So the very first thing we're going to do, the very first prayer we're going to pray, is to ask God for forgiveness for ourselves. And then we're going to pray for our church body as a whole as we begin revival. And then thirdly, pray for salvation and security of your family. This is what you're going to pray This week, until Sunday, you get another one. So actually, we start on Saturday, the 1st. And then on Sunday, we have the solemn assembly. And you're going to get another one like this for that week. And the next week, you get another one like this with some other points. And the next week, another one until we are finished all 30, 40 days. You will have a prompt for each week. So if you have not signed up, Many have signed up. We want you to sign up because when you sign up, you are saying, I make a commitment to God that I'm going to be praying. There will be a sign-up sheet outside or at a table outside. They'll have sign-up sheets out there. You want to just sign your name. Just put your name down as one of those who are going to be joining us in prayer. We're going to be praying over your names, by the way. So we're going to be praying over your names. So for those who signed up, we're going to lay hands on them. I'm going to be laying hands on them each day as I pray. I'm going to have them before me while I'm praying praying for all of you at the same time. So we're praying for each other. We're praying for each other. Remember? So we're we'll going to be praying for each other. And then when we're praying for each other, we are going to change. There's going to be a change coming. And we're going to be different people. Don't you want to be different? Don't you want to be better people for God? That's what it's going to be. We're going to be better people for God. And that's what it's all about. So that's what that is all about. We're going to uh, get ready uh, to... Uh, they're going to be showing something from Awana. that's going to be launching uh, this Tuesday. But before they do, I'm going to make an announcement for I don't see Sister. Um, I'll make an announcement for her. Uh, you're going to come after the Awana. But for uh, Sister Patrice, she do have the, um, what do you call, the uh, drama the, for the Christmas play. But she's taking she audition. That's the word I'm looking for. She's having auditions for the Christmas play. This Saturday between one and three, between one p.m. and three p.m., right here, auditions for the Christmas play. If your child would like to be a part of the Christmas play, you want to send them in, bring them, so they can become, or they can be auditioned, so they can decide they'll be able to participate in the play. We need this, you know, bring them, bring them out, they are, so that they can be that can be done. And the practices will take place every Saturday the same time between one to three. All right, they're going to show the, the the video and then Sister. Augusta is going to come right after that.
3: Raise them up, Lord, raise them up.
4: Lord, we need a generation of believers who are not ashamed of the gospel. We need an army of believers, Lord, that hate to be lukewarm and will stand on your word above all else. Raise them up, Lord, raise them up. I pray for unity among those that love you. I pray that you open their eyes so that they can see your truth, Lord. I pray for your hand of protection and guidance raise up a generation lord that will take light into this world that will not compromise when under pressure that will not cower lord when others fall away raise them up lord that they will proclaim that there is salvation in the name of jesus christ raise up warriors lord who will fight on their knees Who will worship you with their whole hearts, Lord? Lord, call us to battle that we may proclaim you King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I pray these things with all my heart. Raise them up, Lord. Raise them up.
2: Raise them up, Lord. Raise them up in the name of Jesus. We ask you right now, Father God, to raise up your people, raise up your children, raise up your babies. You guys are all charged in the name of Jesus. We need generation, generations of believers. Yes. And where does it come from? It has to come from the parents bringing their children. So I'm up here today and just thanking you guys for bringing them last year, but we need them back this year, okay? We need them back in droves. We need them back in multitudes. Just bring them out. Bring them out, Lord. Bring them out. We thank you, Father God. We thank you, parents, for bringing them out. But I'm here to ask you that it's not just the children. It has to start from the parents. Okay, Bible study is for the whole body, the whole entire church. And as you come on Tuesday, they also are gonna learn that Tuesdays is Bible study, is for all of us so that we can be lifted, so that we can learn the word of the Lord. So Awana starts this Tuesday at 7 p.m. We'll be outside registering your children, right? The registration fee is $30, right? The books are on their way. They're coming. They're going to be here Tuesday. So we need you guys here Tuesday, registering your kids. This um, morning, Um, we're outside in the back, waiting for your registration and your fee. We thank you so much for um, always just, listening and actually taking part in what it is that we have for the youth. Awana starts from two years old all the way up to high school, so there is no excuse. We're covering everybody, right? Thank you, in Jesus' name.
0: Amen, hallelujah. All ages are covered. So it's a family night. Tuesday is family night, everyone can come. We have a place for everyone. All the different ages are meeting in their, according to their ages. The one for the children in the original sanctuary. The youth are upstairs and the adults are here in the Bible study. So we have it covered for everybody. It's, your, it's, it's family night when we are studying the word of God together in all our different age groups. All right. The other thing I want to do right now is to uh, keep your bulletin with you. Um, we'll talk about some of the other things that are on there later on. Uh, you know, th- that's coming up. You will see all oh, some of those different things at different times. And so bear those in mind. At this time, the ushers are going to get ready to receive the morning's tithes and offering. It is Fourth Sunday. And on Fourth Sunday, we do it Nigerian style. We take the offering Nigerian style. What does that mean? For those of you who don't know, uh, we start from the back and we come, you move to your left, come up the aisle, drop your offering, and then go back down on the right side of the, of the aisle. So you move to your left, come on up, drop your offering, and then can go back down on the other side of the aisle into your seats. So uh, let's do that Nigerian style. We're going to pray first of all. And after we pray, they're going to sing the song they usually sing there. And then we're going okay. to be starting to give. I'm going to ask uh, Sister Mendez to ask God's blessing on the givers and the gifts.
2: Praise God. Let's pray. Father, we just want to thank you, God, for your grace. Thank you for your mercies. Lord, we thank you for the ability to come into your house this morning. Thank you for keeping us during the past week, Lord. And as we come, we come with joy in our hearts. We come with thanksgiving, oh, God. We come to give of you what you have already given to us, God. We're just going to be giving you a small portion of your blessing. And so, God, we pray that as we call it the offering and the tithes, that, Lord, you will bless it. And may it may it be used for the extension of your kingdom here on earth in jesus name Amen. what can i
1: say
2: unto the lord all i have to say
1: is thank you lord
2: what can i say unto the lord all i have to say is thank you
0: I gotta tell you, it takes half an hour to do what they do. They take a whole half an hour for worship during that time. And everybody moves. Everybody moves. And that's why, that's why, it, and, and, and boy, there's a big dancing going on. There's a real big dance. It's a happy time. First time I saw it, I was amazed that people got so happy to give. There are no long faces. They just get excited. You say, time to give. Yes. Wow. We're on a journey. We started a journey. We're beginning a journey for 40 days of revival. I want to pray that you will catch the vision. That God would awaken you to understand what's going to happen when revival comes. We're going to talk a little bit about what revival looks like when it happens. Then we're going to continue to talk about how we get revival. Duncan Campbell said a revival is a community saturated with God. A community saturated with God. You know that famous verse, if my people are called by my name will humble themselves first and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. And God says, then will I hear. After you do all of that, then will he will hear. And then he will forgive your sins. And then he will heal our land. I want you to notice that there's an order. One of these days I got to preach a little bit more on that verse. Because you got to see the order. God has a prescribed order. And he says we got to humble ourselves first. And then as we humble ourselves, which is that repentant attitude. And repentant of heart. And genuine repentance as we will see. And then we will pray. When then we'll have to turn from our wicked ways. We have to change the way we behave. Then God says, I will start hearing you. Secondly, I will forgive your sins. And then thirdly, I will heal the land. So there is hearing, then there is forgiveness, and then there is the healing of the land. So we got to first make him, he's got to hear us first, because if he doesn't hear us, we are dead in the water. Then, after he hears us, he says, The first step is to forgive sins. There was a paralytic that came, that was in the temple, and when they brought him to be healed, Jesus says to Hiran, Thy sins be forgiven thee. And the, those around start saying, Who is this man that's. Forgiving sins. Who is he that's forgiven sins? And Jesus says, which is easier to say, forgive sin or to take up thy bed and walk? He says, that you may know that the Son of Man has power to forgive sins. Listen to this. That you may know that he has power to forgive sins. Which means that what I say next, is going to understand that his sins are forgiven. He then turns to the man and says, Take up thy bed and walk. The man got up and started walking. Why? Because his sins were forgiven first. So we're trying to get the healing before the forgiveness of sins. There's an order that God has. The forgiveness of sins has to come first. The reconciliation with God has to come first. The getting right with God has to come first. Then these are the things that will happen. You know, so many times we we encounter we're praying for people to be healed, and the spirit says there's somebody that they haven't forgiven. Then we whisper in their ears and we said, "If you haven't forgiven somebody, you need to ask them forgiveness." And sometimes the people are hesitant because they don't want to forgive. You see, they had said, "I'll never forgive him," and at that moment they were resistant but you know something? So you leave them alone and you pray for other people and you come back, you said, have 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 you done that? And you know, once they do it and you pray for them, they receive their healing. My friends, sin does block God from hearing. And if he's not hearing, he can't answer. So the point of the matter is that we need to deal with our sins first. I want to read an article that talks about, and give us a sampling of what the revival was like in two places. This is real eye real eyewitness of what happened in the revival. This person said, the new evangelism, as we see it in America, puts its emphasis on new methods, new programs, new ideas, and being contemporary to reach the world for Christ. Of course, in her effort to become contemporary, the church has a tendency to slip into conformity with the world. That's true. A lot of churches trying to become contemporary. But in trying to become contemporary, they have slipped into conformity with the world. This brings the spirit and the method of the world into the churches. Making her unfit to become the birthplace for revival. When the spirit of the world comes into the church, you can't have revival. Revival. God cannot bless sin. We talked about that the last time. There's no way God's going to bless sin. He would stop being God. John the Beloved gave absolutely no hope for revival to start in lukewarm churches. Who for the sake of gaining multitudes have lowered the bars of God's moral decrees. For he said that the lukewarm will be spat out of Jesus' mouth. He says, I wish you were cold or hot. Can you imagine that? God says, make a decision. You either for me or against me. But you can't have, you either for the world or you're with me. But I don't like this straddling. One foot in the world and one foot in him. He says, I'm going to just lukewarm and I'm going to spew you out. In times when people will no longer endure sound doctrine, It is far better to hold steady with those sound doctrines and go deeper with them than to dilute these teachings to gain the masses and clothe them in the garments of hypocrisy. Historically speaking then, it is the heat, the white heat and passion for God in the lives of a very few that have ignited the flames of fire that have revived churches, villages, cities, and nations. It is a known fact that every great move of God in revival has come out of fervent, united, prevailing prayer. It is noted that the depths of these moves of God is determined by the depth of repentance that accompanies them. The move of God is as Directly related to the depth of repentance. The greater the repentance, the greater the depth of repentance, the greater the move of God. My friends, you realize and you begin to understand. Just like Isaiah, when he got closer to God. He says, Isaiah said, "When when King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. And when he saw the Lord, as he got to see him in his world. He says, woe is me from a man, I'm a sinful man. He began to see himself. The closer you get to God the more you see yourself as being sinful. You know, we like to think of ourselves as being okay. Did you know that? You know, we said, I don't drink and drunk. I don't get drunk, pastor. I don't commit any. I'm not not an adulterer. I, I don't curse and swear. I don't commit fornication. And we say, we go to the list and we look at the other people and we say, I don't be like that. So I'm wonderful and I'm good. Until somebody does something and stirs up and we start getting mean and, and some thoughts come to us and, and we want to get even and we realize, you know, there's really, we, the, the heart of man is what? Desperately wicked. We never saw ourselves with that wicked heart. And so just a time when you think you're okay, if you ever think you are okay, and you don't need any more of God, It just tells me you are the farthest away. We must never get to the place where I think I'm all right. I need more of God. I must always desire more of God. There is always another level to go with God. You can never get to a point where it says, oh, I'm at the top now. There's no more place to go with God. I'm at the highest I can go with God. I'm up up there. No, no, no one will ever get there. Paul has never got there. He says, I've not attained. For I'm not attained, he says. Paul says, I've not attained. I've not reached there. No one will reach there. No one of us will ever reach there. There's always more with God. What we're talking about as a church is that the revival we want to be able to experience. We want to be experiencing it in a way that only God can do. Because it comes by the power of the Spirit. Now let me tell you about the Welsh revival a little bit. In 1904, the great Welsh revival, Evan, Evan Roberts began praying. One man, it's all it takes many times. He began praying And 17 men began to pray with him and committed themselves to four principles. Here are the four principles they committed themselves to. Number one, you must confess every known sin to God. Always begins with that. You must confess every known sin to God. Number two, you must remove every doubtful habit from your life. If you doubt the habit, if you think that something, if there's a habit that you think is not pleasing to God, you got to remove it from your life. And one way to test the habit, if it is doubtful, is to say, can Jesus join me in this? If Jesus can sit down and watch you and watch with you what you're watching, if Jesus can participate in whatever you are participating in, then you know that's a good habit. But if you think, if there's a doubt in your mind that Jesus can sit with me or Jesus can sit with you, and we got to cut that habit out. That's what they, did. they made a pledge. Number three, you must obey the Holy Spirit's prompting. I'm going to tell you in this 40 days of prayer, God's Spirit is going to be speaking to you. He's going to be prompting some of you. And you want to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And number four, you must go public with your witness in Christ. You must go public with your witness of Christ. You're not a secret service, secret agent Christian. You are must go public. I know you stand for Christ. Now let's tell you what happened here. In the Welsh Revival, 37,000 people were saved in one month and 100,000 in five months. 100,000 people just got saved. Colleges closed down. Can you imagine the colleges closed down? The colleges did not close down because the professors were not there. The colleges closed down not because they were not open. The colleges closed down because the students got caught in the revival. They were not going to the college. They were heading to the prime meetings. God can get a hold of you such that your life and your focus and your priorities are so different. Students marched, singing, praising God on the way to prayer meetings. For a time, crime came to an end. There were no more murders. No more robbers reported anywhere. No more rapes. No more burglaries. That was revival, my friend. That will happen. When revival comes, life changes. Then I want to tell you about another island off the coast of Scotland in the 1940s and 50s that experienced revival. In that same place, before the revival came, the churches were basically empty. In fact, many churches were about to close their doors. But there were some who were not ready to give up. Among them was a small group of men. Notice again, Not a lot of people it takes. A small group committed. A small group of men who agreed to meet regularly in a barn for prayer. They made a covenant with God. As they met three nights every week. Three nights every week. And they prayed until 4 or 5 a.m. in the morning. One night after the little band of prayer warriors had made their way to the farmhouse. To claim their promises for God. The Lok John the local blacksmith was called upon to pray. Now listen to this. He's in a barn house praying somewhere, okay? A couple of them. As he prayed, the power of God was unleashed in his house The dishes started rattling. The dresses started rattling. The waves of divine power flowed out of the barn, went into the people's house simultaneously. The Spirit of God swept through the village, woke people up out of their bed, Light people woke up, turned on their lights, not knowing what was happening. Started to bow down at their their bedside and praying and asking God for forgiveness. Some people got out into the streets, walking out into the streets, just convicted of sin. Seeking God and trying to God and asking God for pardon. That's what happened by one man praying in a little barn somewhere. He swept across the village, changing the lives of people. Can I tell you? As the men left the prayer meeting... The preacher walked into a milk shop and found a lady of the house with seven of us down on their knees crying out for God. Within 48 hours of that man praying, within 48 hours of him praying, every single bar in the city, in the village, every single bar was closed. And in fact, they, were, they tell us that they, were, they have the right number. There were 14 young men drinking at the bar at the time he was praying. And they all got saved. Let me tell you, come on, give God praise. You got to do something about God. God's working. It says those same 14 young men afterwards could be found three times a week with the others down upon their knees before God, praying for God to do something in the lives of their associates. They got Christ. It was in this village that within 48 hours, many young people have surrendered their lives to Christ and could be found praying in the meetings. In some districts, there was hardly a soul who was not affected by the revival. One man who had very little time for God. He was stubborn. Very little time for God. Resisting everything. He's driving along the road. And all of a sudden, he has a vision of hell. He pulled, jammed his brakes, pulled over on the side, got out of his truck and knelt down by the roadside and asked God for forgiveness. Let me tell you. A minister described, he says, I saw a sight I never thought possible, something I will never forget. Under a starlit sky, he says, men and women were kneeling along everywhere. You go to the streets and people were on the streets everywhere just kneeling down. People just get convicted. They're just kneeling down everywhere praying and asking God for forgiveness. Cottages. Homes. Until every starlit sky. Men and women were kneeling everywhere by the roadside, outside the cottages. Even behind the haystacks. Crying out for God to have mercy on them. When men in the streets were afraid to open their mouths and utter godless words, lest the judgment of God fall on them. When sinners overawed by the presence of God tremble in the street and cry for mercy. When without special meetings and sensational advertising, the Holy Ghost sweep across cities and towns in supernatural power and whole men in the grip of terrifying conviction. When every shop becomes a pulpit, every heart an altar, every home a sanctuary, and people walk softly before God, that is revival, my friends. Praise God. That's what God can do when he gets a hold of us. When we really say yes. So today, we're going to show you from the Bible... One of the greatest revival that has ever happened in an individual life, in all of the Bible, is found in 2nd Chronicles chapter 33. Turn there with me. I'm going to read a portion of it for you. 2nd Chronicles chapter 33. I want to see if I can find, I found in the 11 o'clock, 8 o'clock service. Is there somebody who is 12 years old, a child who is 12 years old? Any 12-year-old child in the audience, 12 years old? Okay, Um, let's see, both of them are tall. All right, I'll take him since he's a man. Come, 12 years old, Mr. James. I want to ask the question. There was a king in the Bible who served God very well. He lived for God. He did what was right. He did what pleased the Lord. But there was a time when God sent the prophet to tell him, put your house in order. You're going to die. Before the prophet left the palace, the king turned to the wall on his bed and he began to weep and he cried and he said, God, you know I have been good to you. You know I have lived for you. Why are you taking me home now? And the spirit of God spoke to the prophet as he was in the courtyards of the palace. says, turn back. Go tell King Hezekiah that I'm going to add 15 years to his life. Now, I want you to know something. You're going to see that you may say that's wonderful. But you see, God has a perfect will and God has a permissive will. And God's perfect will for Hezekiah was that he would come home. When God, whatever God says first is what God wants. But if you push him and plead to him. He will give you his permissive will. But what he says first is his perfect will. So he extended Hezekiah's life for 15 years. Within that 15 years, he had a son. A son that grew up to be 12 years old. A son that watched his father. He watched his father do what is right. He watched his father live for God. He watched his father please God. He watched his father worship God. He watched his father honor God. And how does a 12-year-old, when his father died, became the wickedest king the nation had ever seen? You see, God's perfect will was to take him home. His permissive will was to let him stay. And when by him allowing him to stay, he fathered the wickedest king the nations had ever seen. He came to the throne at 12 years old when his father died. And at 12 years old, you would say, this young man, what could he do? But I have to tell you what it says to us. We got to guard their hearts. We got to pray for them. Amen. Because you know we're thinking 12 years old. They're in the formative years. Early years. He saw the good things. He saw the. Where did he learn all that evil that he turned to? Why didn't he not practice what his father had taught him? But at 12. He came and he toured on everything his father did. He removed all the good things that his father had. He reversed every process. And we're going to look at it this, this morning. We're going to look at what he did. He was only 12-year-old. Well, he's a tall 12-year-old, so it doesn't reflect as well. But he's not the one. He's a godly man. Thank you, James. The Lord be with you. Let's read the scripture. Second Chronicles chapter 33. I want to read from the NLT. Manasseh was 12 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 55 years. He did what was evil in the Lord's sight, following the detestable practices of the pagan nations that the Lord had driven from the land ahead of the Israelites. He rebuilt the pagan shrines. His father, Hezekiah, had broken down. He rebuilt them. He constructed altars of the images of Baal and set up Asherah poles. These are the goddess of sexuality. He also bowed down before the powers of the heavens and worshiped them. The stars and the moon and and the sun. He built pagan altars in the temple of the Lord. The place where the Lord said, my name will remain in Jerusalem forever. He built these altars for all the powers of the heavens. He had an altar for the sun. He had an altar for the stars. He had an altar for the moon. He had an altar. He had all of the different things in the house of God. Both courtyards and the Lord temple. Manasseh also, listen to this, sacrificed his own sons. Sons. He sacrificed his own sons in the fire in the valley of Ben-Hinan to some gods. Sacrificed his own sons. He practiced sorcery, divination, and witchcraft. Obia for some of you. And for whatever country you come from, you know what that means. And he consulted with mediums and psychics palm readers psychics followed all of these things he did much that was evil in the lord's sight arose in his anger manasseh even took a carved idol he had made and set it up in god's temple the very place where god had told david and his son solomon my name will be honored forever in this temple and in jerusalem the city i have chosen from among the tribes of israel If the Israelites will be careful to obey my commands, all the laws, decrees, and regulations given through Moses, I will not send them into exile from this land that I set aside for your ancestors. But Manasseh led, led. He led the people of Judah and Jerusalem to do even more evil than the pagan nations that the Lord had destroyed when the people of Israel entered the land. Remember that God had driven all all those seven nations, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Canaanites, and all the ites. He drove them out because they were wicked and they were evil. And he gave the children of Israel their land. He comes in and this 12-year-old boy that came to the throne overturned everything his father did. Every godly thing the father did. And he led the people into wickedness. Remember we talk about people need a shepherd. People need leadership. When the leader is wicked, the people will do wickedness. When the leader is righteous, the people will live righteously. And so Manasseh led the people, he led the way by his example, he led the way by the provision, tore down the altar of God and built all these false altars in the house of God. And the Bible said, he did more wickedness than all the other kings before him. And his father did more righteousness than all the kings before him. You can't imagine growing up in a home and is only 12 years old and turned to be so wicked. When do we start praying for them? We better start praying for them from in the womb. We better start praying for them in the womb. We can't, we can't miss it and, 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 and slip. So let's continue. Verse 10. The Lord spoke to Manasseh and his people, but they ignored all his warnings. God always sends a warning. You remember that? A couple of weeks ago we talked about it what God sent the word and he says it's time for repentance. It's a call for repentance, a call for rest, a call for righteousness, and a call for restoration. And I said to you, so God says it's a warning, lest his rage, his fury break out among us. And we don't want that to happen. And so God always sends a warning. He never pronounces judgment or carries out judgment without giving you a chance for repentance first. We're getting our chance. Manasseh got his chance, but he ignored it. So the Lord sent the commanders of the Assyrian army and they took Manasseh prisoner. They put a ring through his nose, bound him in bronze chains, and led him away to Babylon. They took him away into exile. He became a prisoner. Now when everything is going good, we start to live a think y think life with God. We have a think y thinker relationship but when things are bad, where do we run? You run to God. You want to ask God to help, help us. Have mercy on us then. So do you, what do you think Manasseh did? Look at this. Verse 12. But while in deep distress, Manasseh sought the Lord his God. And sincerely, I want you to notice that. Sincerely humbled himself before the God of his ancestors. He wasn't playing around. He wasn't faking it. He wasn't saying, being told because other people were watching. He was sincere about it. And when he prayed, the Lord listened to him and was moved by his request. So the Lord brought, look at, what, look, look at this now. So the Lord brought Manasseh back to Jerusalem and to his kingdom. Can you imagine that? The wickedest king the nations had ever seen. But when he humbled himself and truly repented, God not only brought him back, the only one in the Bible that God has ever done this to, that has behaved this way and has ever done to, brought him back. Gave him back his authority. Gave him back his position as king. Gave him back his attendance. Brought him back to be the place. The wickedest king. You know what I I think why God picked him? I think because it goes to show that anybody can be redeemed. Because Anasseh was the worst. And the grace of God is so abundant. That it can bring the worst back. To the best place. Can you give God praise for that this morning? So here's the thing. It says in verse 15. Manasseh also removed the foreign gods. And the idols from the Lord's temple. He tore down all the altars he had built. On the hill where the temple stood. And all the altars where Jerusalem had dumped them outside the city. So when he came back. He started to tear out everything that he did wrong before. He's correcting his ways. You don't repent and stay the same way. That's not repentance. That's just remorse. Repentance is turning away from that 180 degree turn. I was going west. I'm now going east. He restored, the Bible said, the altar of the Lord and sacrificed peace offering and thanksgiving offering on it. He did all of that. He came back and he changed his ways. He changed his ways. And the Bible says he realized that the Lord is God. Now here's the thing that I want you to notice. It says this in verse uh, 18. The rest of the events of Manasseh's reign, his prayer to God, and the words the seer spoke to him in the name of the Lord, the God of Israel, are what? What? recorded in the book of the kings of Israel. Manasseh's prayer, the account of the way God answered him, and an account of all his sins and unfaithfulness are recorded in the record of the seers. Now wouldn't you love to hear what Manasseh prayed? Would you love to hear what Manasseh prayed? We have the prayer of Manasseh. We're going, to, we're going to put it on the overhead for me. It's under there. We're going to go through the prayer of Manasseh. We're going to look at what Manasseh prayed. It's been recorded, the Bible says. It was recorded. So we have record of it. Here is Manasseh's prayer. We're going to take a time to go through it. Lord Almighty, God of our ancestors, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and their righteous children, you made heaven and earth with all their beauty. You set limits for the seas by speaking your command. You closed the bottomless pit. And sealed it by your powerful and glorious name. All things fear you and tremble in your presence. Because no one can endure the brightness of your glory. No one can resist the fury of your threat against sinners. But your promised mercies are beyond measure and imagination. Because you are the highest, Lord. Kind, patient, and merciful. And you feel sorry over human troubles. You, Lord, according to your gentle grace, promise forgiveness to those who are sorry for their sins. In your great mercy, you allowed sinners to turn from their sins and find salvation. Therefore, Lord, God of those who do what is right, you didn't offer Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who didn't sin against you, a chance to change their hearts and lives. But you offer me, the sinner. The chance to change my hearts and life. Because my sins outnumbered the grains of sand by the sea. My sins are many, Lord. They are many. I am not worthy to look up to gaze into heaven because of my many sins. Now, Lord, I suffer justly. I deserve the troubles I encounter. Already I'm caught in a trap. I'm held down by iron chains so that I can't lift up my head. Because of my sins. There's no relief for me because I made you angry, doing wrong in front of your face, setting up false gods, and committing offenses. Now I bow down before you from deep within my heart, begging you for kindness. I have sinned, Lord. I have sinned. And I know the laws I've broken. I'm praying, begging you, forgive me, Lord. Forgive me. Don't destroy me along with my sins. Don't keep my bad deeds in your memory forever. Don't sentence me to the earth's depths. For you, Lord, are the God of those who turn from their sins. In me, you will show how you are. In me, you will show how kind you are. Although I am not worthy. You'll save me according to your great mercy. I will praise you continually all the days of my life because all of heaven's forces praise you and the glory is yours forever and always. Amen. Now this is a record of his prayers that are recorded in the book of the Sears. It's not in the Bible. You have to research to get it. But I want you to know that there were five things that Manasseh did. That I'd like you to write down. There are five steps he took in this prayer. As we dissect the prayer. Some people use the term as we unpack the prayer. Number one. There was a recognition of who God is. The first thing Manasseh did was to recognize who God is. He respected God. He says, you are the God of heaven and earth. You are the one who created the heaven and the earth with all their beauty. You are the one who set the limits of the sea by speaking your command. You are the God who closed the bottomless pit and sealed it by your powerful and glorious name. He recognized who God is. The first thing is that we must Come to a recognition of who God is. There must be a reality that comes to us to understand that God is supreme. That he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords and there is none above him. The second thing Manasseh did in his prayer was was a declaration of God's power. Manasseh decorate God's power. In verse 5, he says, Because no one can endure the brightness of your glory. No one can resist the fury of your threat against sinners. No one can resist you. When God decides to do something, no one can stop it. If God's curse is on you, nobody can help you. If God's blessing is on you, nobody can curse you. Isn't that amazing? When he, no one can stop God. doesn't matter who they are or who they think they are. Manasseh declared the power of God. When we talk about him, he's unchangeable. He's unstoppable. That's his power. So he had a recognition of who God is. He had a declaration of God's power. And third, which is more important, he had contrition of heart because of sin. Remember what he said? I have sinned, O God. Do you remember that? He said that. I have sinned, Lord. I have sinned. And I know the laws I have broken. He says, I have sinned. You can't hide under your sin. The Bible says, he who covered who you confess of the sin shall prosper, but he who covet his sin shall not have mercy. If you cover over your sin, you won't have mercy. But if you confess and forsake them, God will be with you. That's what Proverbs tells us. You don't want to cover your sin. And this is not a time to cover the sin. And so Manasseh recognized, he says, I have sinned. Not if I have sinned, God. Which is how some people pray. If I have sinned. No, I have sinned, and he didn't say it just once. He says, "I have sinned," and he says, "I know the laws are broken. I know what I did wrong." There was contrition. So there was recognition of God, who He is. There was declaration of God's power. And there was contrition of heart because of sin, and then, of course, there was petition for forgiveness. He says, I am praying, begging you, forgive me, Lord. Forgive me. Don't destroy me along with my sins. Don't keep my bad deeds in your memory forever. Don't sentence me to the earth's death. He was asking, he was petitioning God, I need your forgiveness. But you know, sometimes we ask God forgiveness without really acknowledging what we have done wrong. We just say, Lord, forgive me for all my sins. We don't want to face them one by one. But there comes a point when you've got to call them out. Lord, I was wrong when I said that to that person. I was wrong when I did that yesterday. I ask you to forgive me for those words that I spoke then. We need to call them out. We need to declare them. Putting them in a basket and said, Lord, forgive me for my basket of sins is very different from naming them one by one. Isn't it amazing the song where it says, count your blessings and then do what? Name them one by one. Only then you will see what the Lord has done. If you put all your blessings in one basket and say, thank you for my basket of blessings, God, you really don't appreciate it until you start saying, Lord, I thank you for waking me up this morning. I thank you that I was able to walk. I thank you that I was able to brush my teeth because some people have a heart problem and they can't even brush their teeth because just the energy to brush their teeth would would, would be a problem. I thank you, God. I thank you that you gave me a car that I can drive here this morning. I thank you, Lord, that you protected me on the way to get here to church this morning. I thank you, God, that you, I had clothes that I could actually choose what I would wear this morning. I thank you, God, that you actually had, I had something to eat, that there was something in the cupboard. Did you notice the difference? When I said, Lord, thank you for all my best blessings. It just sounds like He does nothing. But when you start counting them one by one. The same thing when you start itemizing the sin, when you start calling them out one by one and letting recognition. So here's the thing all four are good, but they're not good without number five, which I'm about to show you. And number five will never occur unless number number three is genuine contrition of heart when I really, genuinely because remember it says Manasseh sincerely humbled himself. He sincerely What God, when when, when we can when the next person can't tell if we are sincere guess who tells when we are sincere? God does. Doesn't matter how loud we shout or how high we jump God knows what is sincere. We have to become sincere. It's the sincerity that's going to bring number five. Because a lot of people recognize God and they declare his power. And they ask for forgiveness. But they're not really sincere because they go right out and they go against number five. That's how you know they were not sincere. Number five that I'm going to show you tells you that you are sincere. Which is what Manasseh did. He was sincere. But here's the thing. Before Manasseh even carried out number five. God brought him back to the throne. Why? Because God saw the sincerity of the heart already. What I want to tell you is that the moment you decide that you are going to get right with God. The day and the moment you decide that, God already starts working on your behalf before you leave the service this today, if you decide in your heart you're going to live right, you decide in your heart you're going to change your life, you decide in your heart that you're going to humble yourself before God, you decide you're going to change your ways, I'm going to tell you God's going to start working on your situation before you leave. Things you've been praying for tomorrow morning, you're going to get news about something good. You leave this place, that phone is going to ring and bring you good news. Because he sees the sincerity Once you decide, God knows if you're going to carry it out. He doesn't wait until you carry it out. He knows you're going to do it already. He says, they are sincere. They're going to do it. I'm going to open the windows of heaven. I'm going to pour the blessing out already because I know they will do what they're going to do. So he brought Manasseh back. Restored him to the kingdom. Even before he did number five because Manasseh promised that he would do it. Here's what he said. He said, There was a demonstration of a changed life. See, Manasseh says, I'm going to change my ways, God. How did he say that? He said that, this is what he said. He said, I will praise you continuously all the days of my life. He says, from now on, God, I'm going to live for you. I'm going to praise you every single day of my life. I'm going to praise you. My life will never be the same. I'm going to change. What did Manasseh did? Exactly what he said. When he came back to the throne, he tore down all the altars of the idols that he built. He got rid of all those things that he had done wrong. And he tried to tell the people it's time to live for God. My friends, when you leave this service today, you and I have got to examine what we're going to change. What is it that you're going to remove? What altar are you going to tear down that needs to be removed from your life so that God can begin to work? What altar is it that God's going to see that you mean what you say? Because we have a few more minutes. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to ask you to bow your heads and bow your hearts. I'm going to ask you to talk to God about and ask him to forgive you. I'm going to ask you, I'm going to, ask you to tell him and to say what you want him to forgive you of. And as well you're doing that, I want you to tell him what changes you're going to make in your life. What is, it that, what is the altar you're going to remove? What is the altar you're going to tear down? What is the altar you're going to take away out of your life? What is it? That you know is a hindrance. That stands in the way. That you need to get rid of. To demonstrate a change, life. God wants to bless you. But he cannot bless sin. Take your time for a few moments. Ask him. Talk to him. Are you in a situation that you need real help from God? That you want to acknowledge like Manasseh did? That you want to declare, I have sinned, God, I have sinned. I am not worthy, God. praying I'm begging you forgive me Lord tell him what you're asking him forgiveness for what is that sin is it a bad habit is it a bad attitude is it a desire that is not right not wholesome not pure No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. No good thing. This is the chance. This is the moment as we embark upon a journey together. Father, I'm praying for us as a congregation. I confess the sins of the congregation, God. We have not prayed as we should. We have not sought you as we should. We have not been kind to each other as we should. We have failed you in many ways. We have failed you with our behavior. We have failed you with our thoughts. We have failed you with the words that we've said to each other. Lord, I ask you to forgive the gossiping. Forgive any form of malice, God. Forgive pride. Forgive in- envy. envy Lord Lord let there be no bitterness no root of bitterness Lord I pray there if someone and someone if there's something against any each other I pray for forgiveness this morning I pray for a desire to make right. To obey the Spirit of God. And to make right. For restitution. For restoration. Do it, we pray, God. I ask you. Let no one leave the way they came. Let no one watching us by the world wide web be the same. Spirit of God. Work in us. Find the flames of revival. Find the flames we pray. We're going to stand together. They're going to put on the overhead for me, number 222, revive us again. It says, we praise thee, O God, for the son of thy love, for Jesus who died and is now gone above. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Revive us again. Number 222, they'll put that in the overhead. We had it this morning, guys. I just switch over there. We praise your O God, for the Son of thy love, for Jesus who died and is now gone above. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Revive us. second stanza says we praise thee O God for thy spirit of light who has shown us our Savior and scattered our night. Hallelujah thine the glory. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah thine the glory. Revive us again. Alright, the first verse is up. Let's worship the Lord by singing. He praise,
5: praise thee O God for the, God, the God for the Son of thy love For Jesus, who died and is now gone above. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Revive us again. We praise thee, O God, for thy spirit. So oh.
0: Again, fill each heart with thy love. May each soul, each soul, that's the desire, that's the prayer, be rekindled with fire from above. So, we're going to do something different. We're going to hold hands across the aisles somewhere. Join somebody, find across the aisles, just hold hands. Find across the aisles, just hold hands we are singing, revive us. And as you pray, as you sing, fill each heart with thy love. You're praying for the persons to the left and right of you. It's a it's a, it's a song that is a prayer, a praying that you will fill each heart with the love of God, that each soul will be kindled with the fire from above. That's what we want. Are you ready? Revive us again, fill each heart with thy hands your holding to the left and the right ask god to revive them just go on come on pray it out pray it out ask god to revive that person to bring to touch their hearts to put the fire of god in your spirit and in your soul that god would do something new just pray for the person to the left and right of you ask god to revive each one right now all over this place be praying and asking god to revive each other Do something new, God. And I'm praying for you, Lord. I'm praying for the congregation, God. As they pray for each other, I pray for them, God. That you will send a revival among us. Lord, the fire of God will burn in each heart. rekindle each soul with a fire from above. Do it, Father. Let the fire of God be rekindled in every heart and every soul. Let there be a desire for revival. A desire for change, God. Let no one be the same again but the Spirit of God. Give him a hunger and a thirst and a passion for the living God. I pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, do something supernatural in every heart, in every life, in this place today. Work, Lord, like never before. Store their hearts, God. Store them, Holy Spirit. Stir them, God. They're not here today by accident, but by design they're here today. We pray that no one will leave the way they came. No one watching us by the world where we'll be the same, God. But your spirit will indelibly be planted upon them. A passion and a hunger for God. For more of God. And a desire to live for you wholeheartedly. Oh God. You can turn around everything in their lives. What you did for Manasseh by showing the grace of God. That if Manasseh can be restored there is hope for all of us. So today we thank you for what you're doing right now in this place. Restore living word God. Restore us. In the name of Jesus we pray. We call upon your name. We cry out to you God. Father we thank you for what you're doing right now. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you his peace. As together we say, holy goodness and mercy shall follow me. All the days of my life, I will dwell in the house of the Lord. forever and ever. Amen. God bless you. Go in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. First time guests, we're going to invite you to the hospitality suite. Our sister is at the back there. Those who invited them, can you take them to the hospitality suite? You know where that is. If you invited them, please take them to the hospitality suite. They're looking for Melrose Walters. And-